0: The Truth News
1: Network Politicians lie Media pundits swear to it And we're kept in gathering darkness and fed Well, you know How do you keep sane? You stand on the truth, that's how
0: TNN, The Truth News Network
1: And to stand with you is Dan Newman I'm right here, folks Standing... Right next to you. We're in this thing together. We gotta be. I mean, come on now. Oh my gosh, I said that. I sounded like President Biden. Come on, man. Hey, come on now. We've got to stand shoulder to shoulder and uh, together work all these issues out. That's what we're going to do here today. Welcome once again to Truth News Network's TNN Live. We are here every day. 9 to 11 a.m. Central Time Live, and then anytime, 24-7, on Apple Podcast, also on Spotify Podcast. And of course, when you go to those two websites, all you do is, in the search bar, put in there, TNN Live. It'll take you right to the menu of all of our shows, and in both places, the most recent show is the show right there on top. You can click on it, listen in. And uh, anytime you miss a show or any part of any one show, that's a way to always double back. And, uh, or as Jensaki says, circle back and make sure you don't miss any of the important stuff. Speaking of important happen, here at TNN Live, tomorrow, our guest author, columnist that writes here frequently, Kelly Nelson. Kelly Nelson, in fact, Her story, part two of a phenomenal story, the first part was posted yesterday on Tuesday. The second part of it, the completion, is posted at truthnewsnet.org today. She's going to join us live here on TNN Live at 9.30 sharp Central Time tomorrow morning. So if you're going to miss any of the show, just try to plan around missing that half hour, 9.30 to 10 o'clock. She'll be here. She has some insights into things that very few people other than her get to see. She is plugged in in every corner of the important political world here in the United States from coast to coast, especially in Washington, D.C. Now, how powerful is Kelly Nelson? What can she do? We've well, heard Lieutenant General Michael Flynn on this show. He was on this show because Kelly Nelson told him he needed to be here. Dr. Judy Mikovits. Over a year ago, May last year, she was on this show. Why was she on this show? Kelly Nelson told Dr. Mikovitz, "You need to be on TNN Live." So she's plugged in. It's it's very seldom in politics what you know. It's totally who you know, and Kelly Nelson is plugged in. And why is she so plugged in? She's on top of everything. She has a lot of friends, a lot of input, a lot of contacts, and people in important places interact with her because of the knowledge that she has and the understanding she has about the things that you've read right here at TNN that she posts. And usually we get a couple of articles a month from her. She uh, really got active the last couple of weeks, and it's because she's angry. Like most of you, most of us, we're angry about what's going on because we can't get our arms around it. So we're going to try to do a little bit of that today. First of all, let's get business out of the way. News this morning, you know, the financial news comes out every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And this recovery that we've been in for some time, recovery is what it's called, and it's recovery from COVID-19. Things were going darn well economically in the US before COVID's lockdown happened a year ago. So the question is has our recovery from that has it stalled? Well, let me let you make a decision yourself. US businesses added just 330,000 jobs in the month of July. That's according to a report from payroll processing firm ADP came out first thing this morning. Folks That sounds like a big number, 330,000, and if you take it out of the context of what we're speaking about, yeah, it's a big number, but that was less than half of the number of new jobs that were forecasted by the experts. They were forecasting 680,000. And incidentally, June's estimate was revised down to 680,000 from the initial estimate of 692,000. July's job growth was the smallest gain in ADP's estimates since February. Now, that report is often looked to as a forerunner of the Department of Labor's monthly jobs report, which is due out on Friday. But it has had some trouble tracking that report through the pandemic, as hiring and layoffs have just gyrated wildly. Nobody can even figure out what's going to happen. When it comes to jobs in the next 30 days, some analysts say that even if ADP is not an accurate guide to the real number, it's a good guide to the direction of hiring. Now, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but let me ask you this. How do you read that? How do you read that? 330,000 jobs when it was forecasted based on the previous month's added new jobs, which have been more than expected. And then you look around at the nation, and more and more country, uh, more and more companies are uh, bringing people back to work, coming out of the pandemic, coming out of lockdown, and those amazing federal unemployment dollars that were sent out on top of state unemployment dollars. A lot of states it's it's run out, and so the feds are going to let it run out too. They say, but in all of that, one would expect there'd be more people coming back to work, but. Not so, half of what was expected. We'll come back and circle back sake style on Friday and give you the Labor Department numbers. So meanwhile, there's one or two or three or four or five or six or 200, 300. There's just so many things happening around the nation. It's just hard to keep our fingers on the pulse. Thirteen, that's a magic number, right? Thirteen. Most big buildings in America that have elevators, they don't have an elevator floor number, 13. They skip from 12 to fourteenth. Why is that? 13 an unlucky number. Well, today it's especially unlucky. That's how many people were shot, two of them fatally, yesterday. 13 of them in Mayor Lori Lightfoot's troubled Chicago. The Sun-Times reported the first shooting fatality was a 21-year-old kid who was shot in a parking lot in the 3300 block of West Warren Boulevard yesterday morning of all times. He was hit multiple times, transported to a hospital. He was pronounced dead on arrival. Second shooting a fatality occurred at 3.30 when a 30-year-old man was killed in a drive-by. The man was on a corner when a white Kia pulled up and somebody inside the vehicle just opened fire. He was struck on his left side. The wound proved to be fatal. An 81-year-old was among those that were wounded that haven't passed away. The victim was standing on the street on North Trip Avenue. I know where that is. When someone shot him about 7 o'clock last night, he was taken to a hospital and he's in critical condition there. 461 shootings in Mayor Lightfoot, Chicago during the month of July. 461 shootings. Those shootings left behind 614 victims. 105 of them died. Now think about that. In one month, in any city in the United States, I don't care which one, you have 461 shootings in a month 614 people were shot, and 105 of those shot died as a result of their wounds. It just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to me like that's getting better. It would seem that law enforcement, and I know she runs the city, does Lori Lightfoot, and I know she's feckless. And a lot of people that work for her and a lot of people that live in Chicago under her mayorship don't like what she's doing and really don't like what she's not doing, which is keeping Chicago in safe. Folks, when you talk about shootings, all we really think about, if we don't live in a neighborhood where that kind of thing happens, wherever you're listening in from today, all we think about is how could that happen? Why, why? Are, are these things continuing to be allowed by the government there? That's a great question. But when you put it in the context of how large Chicago is and what the diversity in the makeup and the actual landscape of people of ethnic differences, skin colors, uh, economical backgrounds or whatever, it's kind of a divided place. I liken it to kind of a mini Los Angeles. If you've ever spent any time in LA, to be honest with you, most folks, when they go to Los Angeles, they spend very little time downtown. The way the greater LA area is laid out, there are communities that are pretty much self-contained scattered all around the Metroplex. And in most cases, these communities have become so large in population that they're an entity literally unto themselves. Uh, for instance, you go out in Orange County, Irvine, just one example. Uh, by the way, Orange County geographically is the largest county in Los Angeles uh, in California. But you go to a place like Irvine or Newport Beach; they're all self-contained. Most people that live there, they live there. If they've got children, their kids go to school there. Most of the people work there. All the entertainment things that they want are right there. You don't have to drive downtown to Los Angeles, which is 45 minutes to an hour, to go do something or go to church or go to work. Now, there are people that commute, but it's because they choose to instead of living in these suburban areas and doing all their stuff within their own communities. That's kind of like Chicago is on a little bit smaller scale. So folks seem to think or feel insulated from the horrors that happen in the other suburban towns and cities, metro areas, within their particular big city. So we can't relate to what people in this neighborhood are facing in their lives, especially when it comes to violence like this. And even police forces are segregated the same way. So basically what you're having is there are bad people that are crossing these lines that are going from place to place. And remember, we told you, gang members in Chicago vastly outnumber the police in Chicago, 10 to 1. And so it's virtually impossible for law enforcement, constructed as it is now, comprised of the numbers and the diversity of the police force that is there now, There's no way to catch up. There's no way to get things on a level playing field. So what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and over again, identical and expecting different results. So Mayor Lightfoot, if I was um, somebody that was a friend of hers, um, or if I was somebody she would listen to, I would have this cold, hard conversation. Lori. You swore an oath to defend and protect the people of Chicago. You're not doing that right now. There are certain things that must be done. And the big one is you've got to stop this. You've got to stop all this shooting. So you need to start at that perspective, that very perspective. Start there and work backwards. What does it take to stop these shootings? Mayor Lightfoot, it's not going to be to take guns away from people. Law abiding people, especially. Why? Law abiding people, as a general rule, don't shoot other people, even law abiding gun owners. And it's not the guns that are the evil entities in this thing, it's the people that are using guns that, in large part, are illegally held in the hands of these shooters. Many times they're stolen. Even more than that, they're bought from out of state and brought in by gun runners and sold on the streets of Chicago. you got to stop all that. That is the way to stop this violence. And then, of course, you put enough cops on the street to be a deterrent to these criminals. They know. They've got to know. They don't now because it's not a reality, but they've got to know, they've got to feel, they have to understand that if they use guns and commit crimes, they are going to be held accountable, that the police force in Chicago is empowered by their government, starts with you, Mayor Lightfoot, to take care of this criminality, and that means whatever it takes within the law, you're going to do it. You're committed to do it, and you don't just say it, you do it. What you do speaks way, 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 way louder than what you say. So you got to get through with this. Now, speaking of deterrent, think of this high tech deterrence, a 16 foot wall topped with barbed wire. They're being used to stop the crush of illegal immigrants flooding across the border, right? But wait a minute. This isn't the US border. It's the border of Greece. Greece. You mean they have a border wall? Folks, there are 23 countries in Europe that have border walls all around them. This border wall myth that the Democrats spin here in the United States is, you know, this doesn't happen in peace-loving countries around the world. It does. Listen to this, this statement. This is worth repeating. The reason... I have walls is not because I hate the people that live outside the walls. It's because I love the people who live inside the walls. So, right now, today, while Greek beaches are reopened for business after a bad, bad, brutal year with no tourists, and they make tons of money on the beaches and Greek islands, folks. It's incredible there in the Mediterranean. Some of their visitors aren't welcome. The tens of thousands of migrants who have made their way into Greece from Turkey every year, tens of thousands, and we're dealing with hundreds of thousands every month at our southern border. In Greece, numbers are going up this year, and the crush of illegal migration puts a big strain on their country's structure, kind of like ours, but not quite on the same scale as here in the United States. So one of the primary routes for entering Greece is along the northeast border with Turkey. Last year Greek and Turkish border guards faced off as Turkish military vehicles attempted to tear down the border in order to let migrants through. So one police major whose hell of He's the uh, head of Hellas, Border Guard Authority, said this. Our main goal is to stop migrants from getting into the country illegally. And to do it, we use new and modern equipment. Novel idea, right? Uh, Before you use any equipment, though, you got to have people at the top, people at the top that are saying, get her done, whatever it takes. That's lacking over here, no doubt about it. So if you go along that river that divides Turkey from Greece, the Greeks have had to get serious about trying to stop the flow of migration crossing the river, just like, guess who, guess where, the United States has had to do along the Rio Grande River. Migrants have been overwhelming the border region in Greece, kind of like ours. And so the Greeks are building a fence that is very similar to the one on the US southern border. This one is about 15 and a half feet tall, topped with barbed wire, and it's making a big difference already, they say, along with some of the other high tech measures that Greece is putting into place along their border. These measures include drones, which we have, thermal cameras, which we have. Some are equipped with artificial intelligence, which we have, and sensors along their new border wall. And if those don't work, Greek police are using sound cannons to chase migrants from the area. We have a clear pre border picture with our new systems, this police official says, and we're ready to direct our forces accordingly in the field opposite these areas where a mass entry by migrants might be attempted. With these new systems like the sound cannon, armored vehicles, we can prevent it. At the same time, the fence is being constructed in the areas where we saw we had the biggest problem. And the automated surveillance system will now provide us with an additional weapon to deal with this threat. What's the commonality between Greece and the United States? Well, we all have a border. Both Greece and the United States have borders where a lot of migrants are doing their best to get in, regardless if they're allowed, regardless if they're coming in legally or not. They're trying to get in, and they're trying, just like is happening at our southern border, to get into Greece illegally. So what do you have to do, folks? It's the same thing everywhere. you got to have people in political power who make the laws that stopped this from happening, making it illegal. Secondly, those people in political power have got to empower law enforcement, whatever resources they need. Like this guy was talking about, it's a big deal. We got some armored vehicle. We got some some drones and stuff like that. Now we've got sound cannons that we can aim at these migrants and really make them uncomfortable, and they're going to turn around and run. Whatever it is, the big difference is, folks, their people in political power in Greece, they listened, they made laws, they figured out what could happen and what was necessary to stop it from happening, and they made the resources to stop those things that were illegal from happening. They gave the military, they gave law enforcement the resources they needed to stop it, and guess what happens? It's getting stopped. So all this crap that we're being fed, that we're a big-hearted nation, we're a nation of immigrants, I got to be honest with you folks, we're really not. An immigrant is defined as being somebody who's going to a country from a place where he or she was born, at this new place they're going, they're immigrants. That ain't me, and that ain't most of the people that are Americans in the United States of America. We're native-born, we're not immigrants. That's a cop-out, that's a way to try to, to justify, open the borders and let anybody come in. That's a political ploy and nothing more. What has got to happen, it is not happening on any scale in this nation, any large scale whatsoever. Our federal government has got to recommit, give the supplies, give the infrastructure, and that includes border wall. All of the, There are 31 countries across Europe that have border walls far more effective than ours because they're being used. Our president, he stopped finishing the border wall that Congress funded. And his stopping it as a president of the United States, and it was a congressional bill, spending bill, authorizing specific, uh, specific spending, his doing so is against the law. It's criminal. Only Congress has the ability to fund or take funding away. All of this boils down to this one thing, and this is why I brought up the Greece story. I wanted you to hear. It works, folks. Border protection works. It stops illegal immigrants. It stops the criminality that in large part comes with them. It stops drug smuggling from other countries coming into Greece. And those same things happened before at the United States along our Mexican border, And it'll happen again, but not unless and not until the president of the United States. The president is the only one that has the power because it certainly isn't going to happen. Congress isn't going to do anything. And anyway, even if Congress passes a bunch of new laws, the executive branch is the branch, the co-equal branch of the three of government that enforces the laws. What good are laws? If the executive branch, which includes the DOJ and FBI and Border Patrol and ICE, if they won't enforce the laws that Congress passes, what the heck good are any laws? Just tear it all up. That's what they do in Venezuela. That's what they do in Colombia and El Salvador and Honduras and Guatemala. It's what they do in Russia. Is that what we really want for our kids and our grandkids? A 100% lawless nation? Barack Obama ordered Eric Holder to stop prosecuting federal possession drug laws. Even though it was a law and a president can't change laws. That was just the beginning. Now, that's nothing. We're not going to enforce border laws. We're going to let people break. Countless numbers of federal laws. In fact, in his administration, Joe Biden is encouraging it to happen, suborning criminality. He does it from the White House when he makes these speeches about these immigrants coming across, and we're letting them do it. We've got more news about that. We'll get into that. We have a lot more, but we're going to take our first break here. On the other side of this, hey, I'm not going to dive deep into this Governor Andrew Cuomo debacle that's going on, but it is important to point out a couple of things. When we come out of this break, we're going to do just that, and um, we're going to hear we're going to hear from Cuomo himself. That's just ahead at TNN Live. Don't miss our iHeartRadio at home session with Jesse McCartney presented
0: by Hellman's an exclusive and intimate performance at a time when we're craving live music watch Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern five Pacific on iHeartRadio's YouTube
2: missing that restaurant flavor at home this summer Hellman's is bringing crave worthy flavors to you serving up new drizzle sauces that you can put on pretty much anything with flavors like cilantro lime roasted garlic and creamy chili honey you can drizzle dip and dress to make home the best restaurant around.
0: See the bold new expression of sporty style. Hear the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque. And experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at Toyota.com. My. Welcome back to the King Value Radio Network. I'm your host, Sandy. And
2: I'm your other host, Carl. Sandy, we are getting loads of calls today about the fresh new $1 double crispy cheesy burger. Well, hello. With two flame broiled patties, crispy onions, and cheesy sauce for only a buck, that's no surprise. Jim from Tucson, you're on the air.
3: Yeah, hi guys. I just want to say I took your advice, went to Burger King. I got a new double crispy cheesy burger for a buck. I couldn't be happier. Oh,
2: congratulations. Say, Jim, what was your favorite part of the delicious new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger, the flame-fresh taste? Well, I'll
3: tell you, it had two big flame broiled patties, plus it had crispy onions and cheesy sauce, too. It was really delicious.
2: Oh, don't forget the price, Jim.
3: Oh, yeah, and it only costs a dollar. It's probably the best purchase I ever made.
0: Probably, Jim.
3: Okay, definitely. Yeah,
0: there it is. Yeah. There it is. Get the new Double Crispy Cheesy Burger with double the flame-fresh taste. Undeniably the go-to source for nonpartisan, spin-free news from the world.
1: TNN, the Truth News Network,
0: puts it all together for
1: you every day at
0: truthnewsnet.org.
1: It's kind of tough to put this Governor Andrew Cuomo debacle in context. Um, I mean, he is today, and he has always been since I've even known who he was, a very controversial political figure um, remember during our pandemic, he got hammered because a, um, a policy that he created and pushed out to every nursing home, every senior citizen living system or center in the state of New York was instructed if any of their residents tested positive at the hospital. When they went you know, in an ambulance to the hospital, they were forced to bring those people back to those assisted facilities that they came from. And by doing that, when they got back into those facilities, COVID positive, they infected a bunch of people there and people died. Estimates 15,000 of which more than 10,000 died directly because of his policy. That was number one. Of course, he was, he was endeared all across the nation by the politically elite at every level, every kind of Vocation. I mean, Hollywood did. Um, Political people in Washington D.C. He was even being touted as a future presidential candidate. Was Andrew Cuomo? In the middle of that, he gets an Emmy because he wrote a book. He got a five million dollar advance on the book that he wrote. And guess what? The book was out. Was about. It was about the way that he expertly handled the COVID pandemic crisis in the state of New York. I mean. It was just ridiculous, and it just got worse and worse. And he comes from a very famous political family, the Cuomo family in New York. Um, Been around a long time, been in Senate, governors, mayors, really heavyweight family. And, of course, his little brother is Quis Cuomo. Quis Cuomo, you hear I'm saying it, C-W-I-S. Quis Cuomo uh, is a news anchor at CNN actually not even a news anchor he has a nighttime show Chris does and he is just about all about himself as much as his brother the governor is well it all came down it seems like um, Cuomo's been under investigation by the Attorney General of the state of New York for sexual harassment of current and former workers in the Cuomo administration and uh, she popped him yesterday she didn't arrest him She didn't release any charges or file charges at the state level, but uh, released a scathing report detailing over 170 meetings, one-on-one meetings, with people who knew about or were directly or indirectly harassed sexually by the governor through the years. And she didn't charge him with anything, but the stuff that she put out there that's documented with evidence looks like... He is in for deep doo-doo. In fact, there's a huge push on to impeach him as governor, and uh, it is very likely he is going to face both civil and criminal charges in New York State for some of his actions. So uh, this was shocking. After this came out, he decided to craft a response, and uh, his response was basically, I know nothing, I did nothing wrong. And he even published pictures showing some of the stuff that he did that in his world, basically, he summed it up by saying, this is the way, I'm Italian. This is the way we do it. We always touch, we always hug, we always kiss each other. I mean, it was creepy. Listen to a little bit of what he said. I want you to know directly from me
4: that I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. I am 63 years old. I've been making the same gesture in public all my life. I do it with everyone, black and white, young and old, Straight and LGBTQ, powerful people, friends, strangers, people who I meet on the street. I do kiss people on the forehead. I do kiss people on the cheek. I do kiss people on the hand. I do embrace people. I do hug people. Men and women. I do, on occasion, say, "ciao, Bella. On occasion, I do slip and say, sweetheart, or darling, or honey. I do tell jokes, some better than others. I am the same person in public
3: as I am in private. What should the governor do in response to these findings? Uh, look, having said very clearly, I've not read the report I will be reading it, and I'll comment further when I do. I'll state the obvious. The summary you just gave uh, represents behavior that's unacceptable, unacceptable in anyone, let alone a public servant. Uh, I've been very clear about the fact that what we've seen uh, is disqualifying. Uh, I'll look at this report and have more to say, but uh, it's very, very troubling and painful to hear that accounting of a powerful person treating people that way
1: hey listen i uh, i have been told we're having more problems with our signal today god forbid this is happening um tell you what if you're sitting by your phone send me a text and tell me you're live, and we can hear each other three one eight Let me know if you're hearing me and we'll we'll keep going. Otherwise, we're going to have to pause this and try to figure out what's going on. Dadgummit, we keep having these problems. Yeah, we moved our studios from Bossier City to Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, that means a lot of things have changed. But one thing that hasn't changed is streaming live. That's what we do. So I'm going to take a short break here. Here's a little Chicago song to listen to. And uh, if you would, send me a text and tell me you're okay, Dan. We'll be back right after this.
0: Optimistic, but the way the things are going, no, I never ever think of it at all. Don't you ever worry when you see what's going down? Well.
1: once again, let me apologize, it's getting old that uh, we're having these IT problems. Again, we had IT problems and uh, we just got notification that we're back on live. Please, please forgive us. Just so you know, we are, uh, tomorrow, we are transferring all of our IT communications to a different internet service provider. And this is all directly, not indirectly, but all the cause of the service with which we um, we went with for our IT uh, signaling when we crossed the river, the Red River from Bozier City into Shreveport. We were told, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. We have the same facilities and same stuff over there as you had over here. Ain't so, <laughs> unfortunately, but it is what it is. So... We lost our signal when we were talking about Governor Cuomo out of New York and all the stuff that is going on there. And he got busted, just basically got busted for sexual harassment allegations, not proven yet, not a single one, but several dozen people stepped forward, some current, some former Cuomo staffers in uh, the governor's office in New York. And uh, the attorney general of California um, she launched, uh, I mean, an, a very exhaustive investigation into these allegations, and it included interviews with well over a hundred people, personal, firsthand uh, information that implicated Cuomo in not just maybe things shouldn't have happened, the things that he did, but things that if he did them, and he's not discounted any of the exact circumstances or instances in which. These alleged things happen, this harassment. Uh, But what he said was all the stuff that he did, everything he did, was okay. It's just the way he does stuff. So he even responded after her report was released to the public yesterday morning. He even responded to the allegations made against him, and he's not been charged with anything yet. Nothing criminally whatsoever, although it rises to the level of criminality if any of the stuff, and we haven't seen evidence, but if any of the stuff in the report that the AG released is true. So we're going to have to wait and see about that. But in the meantime, he decided he needed to go on camera and explain away everything. So here is Governor Cuomo kind of trying to dig himself out of a hole. I want you to know
4: directly from me that I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. I am 63 years old. I've been making the same gesture in public all my life. I do it with everyone, black and white, young and old, straight and LGBTQ, powerful people, friends, strangers, people who I meet on the street. I do kiss people on the forehead. I do kiss people on the cheek. I do kiss people on the hand. I do embrace people. I do hug people, men and women. I do on occasion say, ciao Bella. On occasion, I do slip and say sweetheart, or darling, or honey. I do tell jokes, some better than others. I am the same person in public
1: as I am in private. So a reporter shortly after that is in a press conference with New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio about Cuomo. Listen to this reporter and then listen to de Blasio's response about the charges against Governor Cuomo. Here's the reporter first.
3: What should the governor do in response to these findings? Uh, look, having said very clearly, I've not read the report. I will be reading it, and I'll comment further when I do. I'll state the obvious. The summary you just gave uh, represents behavior that's unacceptable. Uh, unacceptable in anyone, let alone a public servant. Uh, I've been very clear about the fact that what we've seen... Uh, is disqualifying Uh, i'll look at this report and have more to say but uh, it's very very troubling and painful to hear that accounting of a powerful person treating people that way
1: so you got a guy in new york city that's a mayor that can't stand the governor and you got a governor in albany that can't stand uh the mayor of new york and they spend their time going after each other i got to be honest with you i don't see any way that governor cuomo makes it on this entire debacle. I think he's got to go. Uh, yesterday it was revealed that the state house they had an emergency meeting. They'd been considering, they said they were doing their own investigation into these allegations regarding a possible impeachment of the governor. I don't see any way that he survives this. Now think about that. Put it in a timeline perspective. Over the last year, Cuomo, he went from being, the most powerful person politically in the biggest state in the United States, New York state. He was destined to make a run for the white house to run for president. He was the darling of the left. He was the anti antithesis to Donald Trump, a New Yorker, but they were going to get a New Yorker that was very, very far left. And he was the guy. He was a rising star wrote a book, bragged about how he handled a pandemic, even though on his watch 15,000 seniors died in nursing homes and retirement facilities from COVID, that he initiated their exposures with policies that he put out. Everything began to just fall away. And in less than a year, folks, this guy, he's not only going to lose his job, he's not only going to lose his chance to actually make a bid for some position in DC, whether it's the U.S. Senate uh, or even vice president and president of the United States, he's facing almost certain a bundle of criminal charges, felony charges at both the federal and the state level. Now you think about that. You think about how quickly, how quickly the world can change. Now, there's some irony in this, obvious irony, but then there's this. Do you remember Brett Kavanaugh when he was in Washington, D.C., and the confirmation hearings before the Senate Judiciary Committee? Do you remember all the stuff that came out, the allegations that came out about Brett Kavanaugh, each of them debunked, unproven facts that were not facts, all kinds of gossip? Well, when that was going on, Andrew Cuomo, he weighed in, about what was happening to Judge Kavanaugh. Here's what he said, the confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court is a sad day for this country. It will haunt us for as long as he is on the court. Today, Cuomo said, 50 senators put partisan politics over the sanctity of the highest court of the nation. In November, the American people get to respond and make their voices heard. In New York, we're not going to waver on sexual harassment, misconduct claims. We will not back down. To Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, he said, and all survivors of sexual assault, we believe you, and we will fight for you. The sham FBI investigation and the bigger sham, this confirmation process, have energized us to fight even harder for our shared vision for a better future. For all. At a press conference ahead of Kavanaugh's confirmation, Cuomo called the Republicans' handling of the confirmation process disgusting, said the GOP routinely dismisses women's charges of sexual misconduct. I think the way they are handling this is disgusting. When it came to sexual harassment, they've always diminished the charges of women. And they're doing it again to cheapen or ridicule the pain a woman suffers from a sexual attack. Cuomo said it is sexist and disgusting to second guess how a woman should have acted after a sexual attack. Those That all came out of his mouth. It's kind of different from what you just heard him say a moment ago. Oh, you know, my actions were my actions, and I'm Italian, and I'm Catholic, and And that's the way we do. I always kiss people on the cheeks. I always hug. We hug a lot in our community. In other words, making it okay for him to do anything that he damned Brett Kavanaugh and any other that would do it because they're Republicans and he's not. Blaming Republicans in some way? You know what? I don't care who you are. If you're Brett Kavanaugh, now a Supreme Court justice, and you did what was alleged to have done in your confirmation hearing, you don't need to be in the Supreme Court. You don't deserve that. But I feel the exact same way about Andrew Cuomo. If, if he didn't do any of this, facts will tell otherwise. And, of course, what he's doing is exactly what he blamed Republicans for doing in their support for Kavanaugh just because he got blamed. So there's a irony there's a bunch of irony in all this. And again I, I apologize for the for the break in our signal the show signal today. Um anytime you hear or see a blip those of you that listen in and you know my cell number 318-470-2879 fire me a text and let me know immediately because uh we can't listen to the on-air live stream. If we do, there's about an eight second delay because of satellite bounces. Our signal from here in Northwest Louisiana goes first to Dallas. Then there's a satellite beam up and down back to Atlanta, Georgia. Then from Atlanta, Georgia, up and down in Seattle, Washington and then from Seattle, a satellite signal goes out, and it goes around the world, bouncing off of other satellites. So there's an 8-second delay. I said all that to say this. We can't listen to a live feed in our headphones here when we're on the air. So if something happens, fire me a text. 470- 2879, area code 318. So what else is going on in the world? Well, Cuomo's fighting for his job. He's fighting for his life. And, uh, He's in, he's in a, he's in a really bad spot. And the irony that I was mentioning, when I asked you to give us a text, when um, when we're not getting good signal in the air, was his brother, his little brother's, Chris Cuomo. He's an anchor at CNN. So it comes out yesterday that Chris advised his big brother, Cuomo, the governor, and then he testified, Chris Cuomo who's a news guy, supposed to be impartial, never supposed to be politically uh, uh, leaning one way or the other regarding party affiliation, and certainly not individuals that are serving at a high level in politics. But he testified. Chris testified for his brother to New York's attorney general on the allegation of sexual misconduct, and this is before the investigation found that the governor sexually harassed Multiple women. So before CNN, Chris Cuomo's boss issued a statement to the Washington Post in May when this first came up that Chris Cuomo will not be disciplined for not upholding journalistic standards of integrity on the air because he went on the air talking up his brother after these allegations first surfaced. CNN continued, said Chris Cuomo joined a series of conference calls that included the Democratic governor's top aide, his communications team, lawyers, and a number of outside advisors to, quote-unquote, help his brother to take a defiant position and not to resign from the governor's office by apparently using the phrase, cancel culture. So you've got CNN and one of their two big evening anchors in the tank for... Governor Cuomo, there's an obvious conflict of interest for Chris to even say anything on air about his brother, and certainly to say anything bad about his brother's accusers on the air. So yesterday CNN had to come out and say something, and they did. Now that the allegations are corroborated by an investigation released Tuesday, CNN's non-disciplinary position of the governor's brother is presumably placed in doubt. But even worse, the report of the allegations by the Attorney General Letitia James reveals Chris Cuomo testified in the investigation in which Chris Cuomo explained to investigators. That's a direct quote. Chris Cuomo explained to investigators that there was discussion about remedial measures. Huh. Huh remedial measures should take in light of the sexual harassment allegations, but some people had taken the position that they should just wait. When asked about these remedial measures during his testimony, Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, detailed, he he testified that the chamber is talking to people about them. The report continues to eliminate the depth which Cuomo was involved in saving his brother's political career. I mean, this is same song, second verse. If you're a Democrat, you get away with anything, especially if you're a Democrat and you have governing powers in some big state like New York, and especially if your little brother is an anchor at CNN, which is supposed to be the largest leftist television cable network there is, and it probably is. But they don't have any viewers. Nevertheless, Chris is out there and he's carrying the weight, carrying the water for his big brother. It's just another crazy debacle. Andrew Cuomo needs to resign. Bottom line, Andrew Cuomo needs to resign. Can we move on with some other stuff? (laughs) I don't don't want to go back into this. I want to get out of this. Let's talk about some meaty things like this. You know, we have a border crisis at our southern border. Did you know that? Oh, my goodness. Somebody told you that, huh? Well, President Biden's border chief, it was revealed overnight, Mayorkas, Secretary of Homeland Security, is encouraging many Venezuelans to migrate illegally into the U.S. by dangling, listen to this, a partial amnesty, And he's even given them a deadline, September of 2022. Mayorkas, he included the encouragement in a supposedly routine August 3rd extension of a deadline for Venezuelans who are already in the U.S. to apply for temporary protected status. It's called TPS in the jargon of um, immigration, and TPS allows migrants to stay and work in the United States. So his invitation, a written invite, says this. The Department of Homeland Security today published a federal register notice announcing extensions of the registration periods from 180 days to 18 months for new applicants for TPS, temporary protected status, under the designations of Venezuela. The 18th month registration period for initial apps under the TPS designation of Venezuela now runs through September 9th next year, 2022. But the only reason that you do this is to reward as many people as you possibly can with work permits and basically all but guarantee you'll never be returned home. Now put this in context, since 2009, the migration flow has expanded as rational migrants have used coyotes and U.S. immigration advocates to zigzag through a series of government loopholes dubbed catch and release, Flores, and the 2008 TVPRA law. Formally, the announcement extends the TPS application deadline for Venezuelans who are now here in the United States. It does. In reality, the 13-month delay gives roughly 6 million Venezuelans who are now living in South American countries an incentive— and the time to walk across the Mexican border using fake IDs, knowing they can file for the TPS asylum with their true name and valid documents by September 2022. Most of those migrants who arrive after this week are going to get TPS because Mayorkas and his deputies are going to pressure agency officials to approve the applications. This is nuts folks. This is a guy who's a lawyer. He knows better than this. And so he just goes goes on out there, gets in media, issues a written statement to Venezuelans. Not the ones that are already here. They've already gotten this information. But to Venezuelans that live in Central America and South America and other countries besides Venezuela, And he gave them, he made it very clear. Oh, you've got time. Just come on up. Come on up. You got till September next year. And we're going to get you that legal status for you to be here. And they don't say it, but the apple that's dangled indicates that you stay here long enough. We're going to get you legal. We're going to make you a permanent legal American, give you citizenship, and you'll get all the rights of every other American. Again, does not have authority. To do it, does not have authority to do it, is doing it illegally. Only Congress can change these laws and immigration regulations. Only Congress. The laws are written that regulate this TPS process. If he goes away from any of the provisions in the law, he's violating his oath of office and he is suborning criminal acts that are felonious, they are felonies. Now, you know, we, we heard this thing come out. It was a big announcement. Was it yesterday or the day before? Maybe it was Monday. Maybe Circleback Saki had this in her t- press briefing that that Title 42 that was put in place during the Trump administration allowed the administration and border officials to, the second somebody comes in, turn them around and make them go back because we had no idea what their COVID-19 status was. And what that did is it was a great preventive for people down below our southern border that were hearing about this. They weren't going to come up here because they knew as soon as they got across the border they were going to be turned around. Well, Mayorkas and Joe, they changed that. But then when they began to finally acknowledge that this flooding of a couple of hundred thousand people across our border every month wasn't going to work out, it wasn't feasible, something had to change, they came back very quietly and said, oh, we're going to renew that Title 42 provision and we're going to start doing the same thing. We're going to start sending these illegals back that we, when they come in because we don't know their COVID status. And they say they've been doing that in large part anyway. Well, we found out yesterday... Migrant families were unable to board their deportation flights to Central America after they tested positive for COVID or being exposed to someone with the virus. The Biden administration scheduled the first expedited removal flight taking migrants who came here illegally back to their home countries on Friday, though several folks weren't allowed on the flight because of COVID concerns. The flights were reinstated after an increasing number of illegal migrants were encountered in Texas's Rio Grande Valley, leading to calls for the administration to escalate their enforcement. The expedited removal process is a lawful means. That's what this Title 42 thing is about. To securely manage our border, it's a step toward our broader aim to realize safe and orderly immigration processing. This is a Majorca statement. By placing into expedited removal of families who cannot be expelled under Title 42, we're making clear that those who do not qualify to stay in the United States are going to be promptly removed. That's just the law, folks. <laughs> it's the law. Nearly 150 migrant families were scheduled to take two flights, flights that you and I pay for, by the way. It was organized by ICE officials in Brownsville, according to the Washington Post. Only about 75 people got aboard the flights bound for Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador, and the open seats went to single adults who tested negative for COVID. U.S. officials used electronic nationality verification for the so-called no-doc flights to verify migrants' home countries, since most of them illegally entered the U.S. with no ID. So you can't trust them, right? More than 20,000 of these migrants were apprehended in the Valley the week of July 25th. 20,000 in one week, in one location. U.S. detention facilities and humanitarian organizations, they're just struggling, folks. They cannot keep up with the demand to accommodate these migrants, including an increasing number of those who are testing positive for covid Only migrants being transferred into ICE custody are tested, whereas those in Customs Border Patrol facilities aren't tested. Of course, they tell us, Circle Back Saki tells us they're testing everybody. They're not. Migrants have to test negative for the virus before they're able to board these deportation flights. And those who test positive have to quarantine before they can return to their home country, and we pay for all of that. All boils down to this. If we closed the border, none of this would be happening. <laughs> none of this would be happening. And then you have Mexico in this equation. And guess what Mexico has done? They put a notice out and said, hey, United States of America, don't send those illegal immigrant families back to Mexico. The Washington Examiner reports the decision to prevent a large proportion of non-Mexican illegal families from returning to Mexico is likely to require Border Patrol to release more people here due to a shortage of facilities that house thousands of migrants who are apprehended every day. Last week, 20 grand, 20,000 were captured. How many more got through? Any idea? Bueller? Bueller? (laughs) No idea. Nobody knows. Mexico, very discreetly, in a politically correct way, they refused to accept select groups of these illegal families that were arrested at the border last week. One senior Customs and Border Protection source said the media that those were taken into custody crossing the border in one location then driven back into Mexico hundreds of miles away on another stretch of border. The border troll example, okay, they began flying illegals to El Paso when the Mexican state of Tomopolis, which borders the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas, stopped allowing many families to be repatriated back into Mexico. Those are sent back into Mexico once they get to El Paso. So when the COVID outbreak hit in March last year, We, we're so smart here in the U.S., we decided to stop detaining illegals and begin to turn them away at the border. Great idea, and it worked. Hundreds of thousands of illegals have been deported back to Mexico in the last 17 months. This is known as Title 42. They were carried out to prevent sending them into overcrowded facilities where the coronavirus may spread quickly. Unfortunately now... Mexico is refusing to accept Title 42. They stopped allowing families with older kids to return to Mexico. Guess when? Joe Biden entered office and said, y'all come on up during his campaign. And he on day one as the President of the United States stopped the Remain in Mexico agreement that Donald Trump had negotiated with the Mexican government. And so, here we are again, folks. Basically, if they get across the border, guess what? They're here. (laughs) They're They're here and we can't do anything about them. They're ours. Mexico's not taking them back anymore. You can't make this up. This is the stupidest stuff I've ever heard in politics Ever. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth With News Network.
0: So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say let's go to the beach, Donnie says... Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says... Your place needs furniture, and at this sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse
2: Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City.
0: Welcome to Staples. Staples guy, my company has like seven different printers. How's your ink selection? Behold, Staples Wall of Ink. Just wow. A huge selection of ink and toner guaranteed in stock. Hello, awesome. If it's not, we take $10 off and ship it to you free. Pinch me. I said pinch. I heard
2: you. New low prices on ink and toner and an in stock guarantee. Staples, make more
3: happen. Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalooper from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking, because... I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did. But now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right, all that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa Box, only at Taco Bell.
2: New Dunkin' Refreshers, vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit, B vitamins and energy from green tea, all under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.
1: We're back at it at TNN Live. Don't forget Kelly Nelson, columnist for Truth News Network and uh, someone very, very plugged in in our political infrastructure across the United States and uh, definitely in Washington, D.C. She'll be joining us live tomorrow morning at 930, 930 Central Time, and she'll be with us for about 30, 30 minutes. And we're going to be talking about a lot of the issues, but primarily what's happening, COVID-19, and all of the misinformation. Folks, we're all in a position right now where we're desperate to get the truth of all of this. I mean, literally, we're talking about life and death decisions that we're all having to make. And I mean, every day it seems like it's something new. The government changes. The government's confused. Have you heard Joe Biden when he's asked in these press briefings that he's now, for all of a sudden, some reason, he is—he's uh, doing almost daily. He's getting up in front of the press and he walks all over himself, and that's even before somebody asks him a question or two. So it's—it's it's interesting to weigh in and listen to him talk about the specifics and. What are the truths? I mean, after all, he's a medical professional. He knows. He understands. He understands everything. He knows what's best for you and me and for grandpa and grandma and even our little five-year-old kids. So if you're living in the United States, I don't care if you're an illegal or if you're a citizen, you're a resident here temporarily. You need to, if you want to question anything about this president, anything he says about COVID-19 and our pandemic. You don't have the right. You're stupid. You just need to sit down, shut up, and listen to President Joe Biden.
3: Now to President Biden and COVID confusion. The president addressed the nation a short time ago to try to provide some answers about vaccination, about mask mandates, as the Delta variant continues to race through parts of the country. He's also urging the unvaccinated to take the shot. White House correspondent Peter Ducey has specifics tonight.
2: This is a very different variant than uh, what we've dealt with previously. As variants spread, the president's push to get people vaccinated rolls on. It's
4: moving like wildfire through the unvaccinated community. And it's heartbreaking, particularly because it's preventable.
2: But lately, things have been confusing. Americans have received far too many mixed messages and muddied communications about masks, vaccines, and what risks remain And for whom? The White House argues the science of COVID is black and white, not red and blue. So they're upset with resistance to new CDC guidance about masks for school children or for the vaccinated in Texas and Florida.
0: At a point in every leader's life... Uh, They have to make a decision about whether they're going to abide by public health guidelines uh, to save people's lives or whether they're going to be guided by politics.
2: In New York, Mayor Bill de Blasio is now hoping to ban anyone unvaccinated from doing pretty much anything indoors. You'll
3: have the key. You can open the door. But if you're unvaccinated, unfortunately, you will not be able to participate in many things. Does the
2: White House think that that is fair? People who may have a religious reason for not wanting the vaccine or who might just be waiting for the fda to approve it fully before they get it
0: the administration and the white house and the president uh, support steps by localities uh, to uh to take steps to protect people in their states and their communities to incentivize uh, people getting vaccinated
2: and the president admits this isn't a problem that stops at the border you just said there is no wall high enough and no ocean wide enough to protect us from the virus so what is the thinking behind letting untested and unvaccinated migrants cross the southern border into U.S. cities in record numbers?
4: We have not withdrawn the order that is sometimes critical or criticized, saying that unvaccinated people should be go back across the border. But unaccompanied children is a different story because there's, that's the most humane thing to do, is to test them and to treat them and not send them back alone.
2: Vaccinations are very serious business at this White House, but there was a lighter moment this evening. The president mistakenly said that some states are offering up to $100,000 to get a vaccine shot. And he later corrected himself to say it's just $100, but that if it was hundred k, he would have gone back to get vaxxed three times. Shannon? He wouldn't have been the only one, I have a feeling. (laughs) Uh, Peter Ducey at the White House. Thanks, Peter.
1: Only clear signals coming from this administration about COVID-19, right? Ah, not so much. Not right. Well, if you've noticed this week, maybe the latter part of last week, all weekend long and this week, the far left. Democrats, they're sycophants in the... the, um, The squad, even further left, they are just all over, the governors of the state of Florida and the state of Texas. Governor Abbott in Texas, Ron DeSantis down in Florida. Why? Because these two states are leading the nation in infections. Basically, without question, Biden yesterday, he nailed it. Here's what he said. He told those Republican leaders in Florida and Texas to cooperate with the government's efforts to withstand COVID-19 or, and this is a quote, get out of the way. Biden said this, just two states, Florida and Texas, account for a third of all new COVID-19 cases in the entire country. Just two states, Biden said. How dare they? Both of the Republican governors have vowed to stand firm in blocking mask mandates and some of the other restrictions the CDC recommended, despite spiking COVID-19 cases, they're supporting a more voluntary approach to counter this Delta variant. president said this, I believe the results of their decisions are not good for their constituents. I say to these governors, please help. If you aren't going to help, at least get out of the way of the people that are trying to do the right thing. Use your power to save lives. Well, last Friday, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, issued an executive order barring mask mandates in schools across Florida, giving the option for parents to decide. Now, he didn't say you can't wear a mask, but what he said was the school boards, the school administrations, and the politicians are not going to demand Parents make their kids wear masks. But they're going to let the parents decide. Novel idea, don't you think? Of course, if you believe in the philosophies of people like Hillary Clinton, who wrote a very famous book, It Takes a Village. Her theory is that parents can't raise kids on their own. They've got to have a bunch of input from a bunch of other people that in many cases know better than the parents what's best for their kids. I didn't grow up in a world like that. My mom and dad, they took care of business with me and my brother. Oh, my gosh. They didn't need any help from any other parent. They did what they felt like they should do. And I turned out okay. Some may question that but I think I did. (laughs) So um, this thing gets deeper and deeper. Governor Abbott in Texas declared Texas would counter the Delta variant. Oh, well, that's great news. We're going to take it on head on, he said, with personal responsibility. Governor Abbott barred businesses and local officials from imposing any COVID-19-related mandate. He said this, look, we need leadership from everybody. If some governors aren't willing to do the right thing to beat this pandemic, Biden said, they should allow businesses and universities who want to do the right thing to be able to do it. Kind of different from what uh, Governor Abbott said, right? Both the leaders of Texas and Florida at least still promote the need for getting vaccinated. But they were clear personal choices that would be respected. So here's what Abbott said in responding to Biden yesterday: "Every Texan has a right to choose for themselves and their children, whether they're going to wear masks, whether they're going to open their businesses, or whether they are going to get vaccinated or not." Vaccines are the most effective defense against contracting COVID and becoming seriously ill. And we continue to urge all eligible Texans to get the vaccine. The COVID vaccine will always remain voluntary. And never be forced in Texas. Now, here are the numbers new COVID 19 cases in both states continue to soar as of yesterday. Florida reporting an all time high of 11,515 patients that include 2,400 in intensive care units. Texas had 14,000 new cases, nearly 500 hospitalized patients this is as of yesterday afternoon but despite all this the stats you just heard them DeSantis said no lockdown would be implemented we're not shutting down he said we're going to have schools open we're protecting every Floridian's job these interventions have failed time and time again throughout this pandemic not just in the U.S. but around the world he said they've not stopped the spread and particularly with delta which is even more transmissible if it didn't stop it before it definitely ain't gonna stop it now now you may ask you may be asking right now what 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 is the truth in all of this let me tell you what the truth is you want the facts well, let me, let me ask you a few questions to get to the truth. We're going to circle back and get the truth out of this, okay? This Delta variant, it's just one of many. Lambda's one coming from Peru, they say, is the dog of all dogs. It's deadly. I mean, the numbers coming out of Peru, the statistics are staggering. But we have the Delta variant. There's another one supposedly in between. And all that's happening, folks, viruses, when they're attacked with natural immunities or created immunities. It doesn't matter if it comes from a human body creating natural antibodies and fighting a virus or a bacteria for that matter. Uh, The body builds up antibodies against it naturally. Most cases we never even know we were attacked by a virus or a bacteria. Our bodies just do its thing. That's what we do. Well, when that happens in nature, these bacteria cells and virus cells will morph what they'll do is they'll create a defense within themselves to push back against the antibodies that either created and put in the body or created by the body so you're always going to have variants look what happened with the flu how many strains of the flu have we had over the last couple of decades that's just a thing that happens in nature so do we really think we're smart enough to be able to determine how to hit each of these variants heads on? On Sunday, the god of COVID himself, Anthony Fauci, went on the Sunday news shows and he actually said this, and I'm going to paraphrase, but this new Delta variant that when they test, they being medical officials around the US, when they do. One of those nasal tests where they stick that Q-tip up in your nose and it goes through the top of your nose into your brain—you know exactly what I'm talking about. When they do that testing, people that have been vaccinated already by one of the three—Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson and Johnson—when they push that up, that swab up their noses, if they've been vaccinated, they're getting the same amount of COVID cells in those people's nasal cavities as they get when they do the same test on Americans who have not been vaccinated at all. So what does that mean? The vaccines are not really effective against the Delta variant strain. Now what do you do in that case? The God of COVID doesn't know. He just doubled down on getting more vaccines. People got to get vaccinated. People got to get vaccinated. These people don't know. Let me, let me tell you exactly what this dramatic push is that's going on. Political, like I've never seen. Demands. There are discussions about forcing vaccinations now. How are they going to do it? Well, Bill de Blasio yesterday, he shut down New York City. You can't go to a restaurant, you can't go to a gym, a health club, or whatever, unless you can prove you have been vaccinated. Now, the left, the gods of uh, racism on the left, they've been totally silent. Do you know that in New York City alone, less than 30% of African American people in New York City have been vaccinated? African-Americans in large don't want to be vaccinated. So what he's doing with that edict that he put out, I think it goes into effect this weekend. It's racially pushing back principally against members of the minority community in New York. That's number one. Number two, it's based on false premise. What are you talking about, Dan? Let, Let me give you some numbers. Nobody's talking about deaths. Isn't it interesting now? Oh, we've got more infections. We've got 11,515 people in the hospital in Florida. 11,000, folks. 2,400 in ICUs. In Texas, 14,000 new cases. They're going to die. Everybody's going to die. 500 hospitalized patients. Why aren't they telling us about the deaths that are happening? What about all these people that are going to the hospital, 2,400 in ICUs? How many of those people are dying? Let me give you some numbers. Listen closely to this. This is from Florida. I don't have Texas similar numbers, same category. But I'm going to compare July 30th, July 30th this year to July 30th last year in Florida. New cases, July 30th of 2020, that day in Florida. 10,144 cases. July 30th this year, 15,817 cases in Florida. That's horrible. Look at the deaths. July 30th, 2020, 152 people died of COVID-19 in Florida that day. July 30th this year in Florida, 58 152 a year ago died on July 30th same day this year 58 case numbers 2020 10,144 case numbers this year 15,817 so the case numbers in Florida are up 55.9% this year from last year that's staggering that's a staggering number However, deaths from COVID-19 on the same day down 61.8%. Well, that you know, that's Florida. We still gotta let the clock turn. The calendar's got to turn. They're gonna die. I mean, it's a fact, Dan. Some people die when they get COVID. No, no doubt about it, that happens. What about Texas, Dan? Well, let me just say this. I I uh, I I don't have the numbers for Texas. Similarly, I can't compare the same date because I don't have the Texas numbers from a year ago. But let me let me give you some information, firsthand information. My son is an executive at one of the largest hospitals in Dallas Fort Worth. Yesterday, and he gets the employee census of every you know what how many patients we have here. How many people went through the ER? How many are in ICU? They have a specific COVID unit in their hospital as of yesterday. He called me and told me, he said, I I, I told him about these numbers I just gave you in Florida. And he said, well, I can't give you any exact numbers because he was in his car. He wasn't in his office. And he said, but let me say this. Uh, about seven months ago, eight months ago, he said... Uh, Every bed in the hospital was full. We had people with COVID coming into the emergency room, and there were no places to put them in rooms. So we took our maternity ward, which is actually across the street from the main campus of this particular hospital, and we turned it into a COVID ward. And then we took one of our floors and added it as an ICU unit because of COVID. He said, our hospital was full. We had COVID-19 cases out the wazoo. And I said, well, what do you have today? Now, remember this news is hard. You just heard the stats in Texas. I mean, in Texas, 14,000 new cases, 500 people hospitalized. Listen to what he said. We have 34 COVID cases in the hospital. 34. 34. We have two people in ICU. And I said, two COVID patients? He said, no, we have two people in ICU. No COVID cases in ICU. I said, how many people have you at the hospital had die of COVID in the last 30 days? We're talking about a 400-bed hospital. It's not a little facility. Zero. I know it's only one hospital, and Dallas-Fort Worth is big, folks. I get that. The Metroplex technically is the biggest metroplex of any in the United States. So this is just one facility, but it's not. It's not a little facility. Why? And another why I'm going to ask you. Why don't they tell us about the breakthrough infection numbers? Now, let me remind you what those are. Those are in, uh, the breakthrough thing. That's what they term those who have been vaccinated that still get COVID. The CDC first began to report about it. It was almost the same thing as VAERS, the segment of their website that reports on the adverse vaccination effects that people have after getting the vaccination, not just COVID-19, but any vaccination. They've been keeping those records since 1990. Just to remind you of that number, if you add the numbers of deaths that have happened since January 1st, deaths that have happened to people that are happening directly as a result of a COVID-19 vaccination. If you take that number and compare it to all of the other, every type of vaccination that's been given in the United States for the flu, for the mumps, for the measles, chickenpox, all those vaccinations that we as kids took and our kids took since 1990 at all the deaths up together. 10 times more people have died with adverse reactions from COVID-19 vaccinations since January 1st. 10 times more than the total number of people that have died since 1990 from vaccinations on all of the other vaccination types added together. They don't want to talk about that. They put out a notice and said, hey, we're no longer going to cover the breakthrough infections from COVID-19. We're not even going to post those numbers. And they gave some benign excuse. It's because we're too busy or it's going to be included in other statistics. Yeah, it's included in infection numbers, but it's not broken out to be from or to people that have been vaccinated. They're hiding stuff, folks. They're hiding things. And I don't care what people say. There's a lot of history about how this thing has played out in Florida and what the government has done, and the same thing in Texas. It's almost been identical in both states, and in both states, deaths are way down. Now, what does that mean, Dan? It means that there are people that are getting infections, but they're not dying from infections like they were previously when we were totally locked down. If something works, folks, why would you diminish it or try to diminish it? Why would you? What's the ploy? Is there a ploy? Is there a purpose for this government to be doubling and tripling down every day? I mean, people are on television talking about holding people down and vaccinating them, stopping you from doing anything unless you're vaccinated and they're making anybody and everybody that doesn't want one feel like you're an enemy of the state. What's going on here? Let me just remind you, Kelly Nelson's going to join us tomorrow morning at 9:30 on TNN Live right here. She'll be uh she'll be sharing some of the inside information that she's gotten. She's gotten it we don't have access to. We get a lot from her. Again, in fact, in case you didn't know it, her story a two-part talking about the changes that have happened the horrible changes in our healthcare system over the last 2 days her stories have been there we'll talk about that but we're going to we're, we're not going to guide her we're going to let her just speak tomorrow morning for 30 minutes so make sure you're here meantime a white house covid-19 response coordinator came out somebody from the white house folks jeffrey Zentz. Jeffrey Zentz announced Monday night that it's time to impose some requirements on COVID-19 vaccines. This is the Biden administration now. Here's what Zentz said. Last week, the president called on states and local governments to use funding they've received, including from the American Rescue Plan, to give 100 bucks to anybody that gets fully vaccinated. If financial incentives like these help us get more shots in the arm, we should use them. But he went a step further. And he said there must be mandates. Quote, in addition to incentives, it's time to impose some requirements based on the realities of different risks that unvaccinated individuals pose versus those who have been vaccinated. Put that in the context of what I told you about what Anthony Fauci said. The CDC is finding out. They found out that if you've been vaccinated and you're exposed to Delta's variant, when they test you in your nose, you're having the exact same number of Delta variant COVID cells in your nose as does in the nose of somebody that hasn't been vaccinated. In other words, Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J vaccinations are not effective against the variant. And Zentz is going to proclaim We've got to um, we gotta punish unvaccinated individuals because of what the dangers, the risk are for others because of these unvaccinated people not being vaccinated compared to the risk that vaccinated people share in their worlds. Zentz confirmed that a federal worker or contractor who is not vaccinated has to wear a mask and get COVID-19 tests one or two times a week. It's simple, he said. If you want to work with the federal government, get your workers vaccinated. How long will it take for a case like this to end up at the Supreme Court? We're headed there. You can book it. We're headed there. Meanwhile, what about the Pentagon? Our military folks the Department of Defense could shift its battle to the COVID-19 pandemic through imposing mandatory vaccines for armed forces. They're talking about it. The effort is hoped to curb the number of surging Delta variant cases. Reuters found out the Pentagon officials are deciding whether to mandate vaccinations in the military ranks to protect troops from the deadly disease. And uh, they're They're digging into it, and it's expected we're going to get a decision in just a few days. This information came as the DOD braces for vaccine mandates since about half of the nation's armed forces are already fully vaccinated. This is lower than the national average rate for adults of about 60%. Since these service members are generally younger and fitter, Relatively fewer of them have died from COVID-19. The virus tends to kill people with heart disease, diabetes, dementia, pneumonia, and other chronic illnesses. Vaccination rates are the highest in the Navy. That's interesting to me. About 73% of sailors are fully vaccinated. President Biden wants the department to investigate how and when they will add COVID-19 to the ever-growing list of mandatory vaccinations. Folks, we're headed down that road. We are looking at a world in which your children, three, four, five years old, getting ready to go to public school, going to start their school careers, great time in a kid's life, great time in a parent's life. We have to vaccinate our kids. You know that. And there's always been controversy over these vaccines. People think there's stuff in them some say there's not. Some say there there is, and people don't know for sure if there is or isn't. But now it looks like they're going to try to force us to include among the measles, and polio, and uh, what else, uh, the other childhood diseases, the vaccines they have to take. They're going to add COVID-19 to that, and we don't even know what's in them, and they haven't been approved by the FDA. They are experimental drugs. And there is a huge, a huge number of people in our government that are fighting to demand today that every child be vaccinated for COVID-19 as well. This is scary.
2: The I'm crazy hungry, so she's gotta be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive through to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know when my girl's feeling, hangry me. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish and get another for just a dollar.
0: Prices
3: and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. Hi, Tom Bodet. Motel 6's new, improved website lets you book a room and save more for what you travel for faster than ever. Even faster than you can find your keys, which you swore were right on the little hooky thing by the garage door where they always are. And we can land a robot on a comet, but we can't keep keys from disappearing. Oh, here they are. Left them in my jacket. Don't you hate that? I'm Tom Bodette for the new, improved Motel 6.com, and we'll leave the light on for you.
1: You know, we all know that the independents, people in the United States who identify not as Democrats, not as Republicans, but those people are really the ones that end up electing who our federal servants are going to be in both Congress and, of course, in the White House. So a poll was just published minutes ago, and that poll reveals that registered independents in the U.S., are driving down President Biden's approval ratings with their concerns over his handling of inflation, immigration, and COVID-19. They're very concerned about what he is doing and what he's not doing. It's a, it's a very reputable poll morning consult in conjunction with Politico, which is a far-left rag, as you know, Uh, The poll warns Biden's general reputation among unaffiliated voters' independents is exposing an early problem for his party to remedy within 14 months to go until the midterms. So what are the numbers? 44% of registered independent voters approve of Biden. 49% disapprove. His net approval has dropped 18 percentage points among these independents in the last 90 days since june registered independents have increasingly disapproved of his handling of the economy and the pandemic by 9 and 13 points respectively to 51 percent and 43 percent the poll also suggests biden is to blame for the 13-year high in inflation and worsening immigration crisis handing the president a 54 percent disapproval rating on the inflow of unvaccinated migrants at our southern border. Wow, what's going on behind the scenes? <laughs> Don't you wish you could uh, you could kind of stay at the uh, uh, the ten thousand foot level and uh, that you had clairvoyant ability to look down and just know. Everything is going on. All you got to do is look down and uh, see what's happening. It would be a big thing. And controversy is, it's everywhere, in every event, about every issue in government today. The infrastructure bill, the bomb, the big one uh, that's being considered now, there's all kinds of dis, dis uh, disinformation being passed around about it. Nobody's read the bill. Nobody knows what's in it fully, and they're demanding a vote on it in the Senate this week, and, and so it's all over the place. Well, th- what's in the bill is this. Well, no, that's not in there, but this is. Novel idea. If you want to vote on a bill, print the bill out and give everybody a copy of the bill. Those 100 members of the U.S. Senate, they need to know what's in it before you ask them to vote on it. That's, that would kind of be reasonable and realistic. The opposite of that would be true. Don't read it, so don't give it to them. We'll tell you. Just shut up and listen to us, and we'll tell you what's in it. And then this mask thing, though it has nothing to do with infrastructure, it's just as volatile. Yesterday afternoon, Fauci's entity, the National Institute of Health, the director attempted to take back statements that he made earlier yesterday, same day, proposing that parents should face cover at home to safeguard unvaccinated kids. Here's what he said. Dr. Collins, let me clarify the masking message that I garbled on New Day this morning. He tweeted later yesterday afternoon, vaccinated parents who live in communities with high COVID transmission rates should mask when out in public indoor settings, to minimize risk to their unvaccinated kids. No need to mask at home. Earlier yesterday, he said that while uncommon, there have been several cases of young people becoming ill as a result of the virus. He suggested new proposals for kids under the age of 12 to avoid being in places where they might become infected, as well as universal masking at schools and even at home. Parents of unvaccinated kids should be thoughtful about this, and the recommendation is to wear masks there as well. I know that's uncomfortable. I know it seems weird, but it's the best way to protect his kids. Hours later, he reversed his situation. He's one of the so-called experts, Dr. Francis Collins. He is technically the boss of the NIH, although everybody knows there. It's Anthony Fauci. And maybe, just maybe, Fauci gave Francis a call and said, Hey, Doc, you better rethink that thing you said on CNN this morning. Oh, my gosh, I messed up? What did I say? What should I have said? You got to get the P's and Q's right. Forget about the real efficacy of what you're advising these people to do or not to do. Forget about that. Just make sure we're all on the same page and telling them the same line, giving them the same BS. And that's pretty much what it is. Very quietly, the FDA is hard at work. FDA has authorized a monoclonal antibody cocktail as a measure to prevent infection in some groups of people exposed to the virus. Now, they did this last Friday. Nobody reported on it until yesterday. It's revised, the FDA has its emergency use authorization for regen cove which is a treatment consisting of jointly administered two different drugs, I can't even pronounce them, expanding its use of this Regen-CoV beyond just the treatment of patients who test positive. The product remains unauthorized don't get me wrong, for treating confirmed COVID patients over age 12 who are high risk. The agency said the drug combo can now be given to high-risk groups as a measure after exposure to prevent the disease from getting worse. The antibody treatment is only authorized for use in people who have been exposed to the virus. It's not a pre-exposure preventive measure. The agency added that this Regen-CoV should only be used as a post-exposure prophylaxis by people who are not fully vaccinated or whose immune systems are unlikely to mount an adequate response to the virus, like those who have taken immunosuppressive medications who are otherwise immunocompromised. Prophylaxis with Regen-CoV is not a substitute for vaccination against COVID-19. It's interesting how they want to. They put something out like this. Oh, we got to put it out, and then they'll they'll come back and clarify it. And then they'll come back and clarify their clarification, and do it again and again. It's in layers, and before long, it's like probably where you are sitting there listening to me right now. You don't know what the heck to believe. You don't know who is saying what, and what they're saying is truthful or not truthful. That's just the way we roll, folks. That's the way we do it. And this one little tidbit before I've got a, um, a thing, a statement I want to make at the end of today's show. And we're going to do that in a moment before we do that. Let me, uh, let me just announce to you that 17 people have been arrested in an undercover child predator operation in Florida, Walt Disney world, including three Disney employees, 17 people that included three employees of Walt Disney World, were arrested over charges related to the targeting of children online for unlawful sexual activity. The six-day-long undercover op dubbed Operation Child Protector, it took place from July 27th through August 1st, during which law enforcement officers posed as kids on social media platforms, on mobile apps, and online dating sites to investigate potential predators who prey upon children for unlawful sexual activity. A total of 17 people arrested, representing 49 felony and two misdemeanor charges. Suspects' ages range from 26 to 47. They were mostly from the Central Florida area, except one who was visiting from California. Yesterday at a press conference, Grady Judd, who's the sheriff of Polk County, that's Orlando area, describe the suspects as incredible deviants, dangerous and nasty, nasty nasty people man, when you prey on kids let let me just put it this way when someone goes to prison for pedophilia that's uh, an adult messing around with kids that person when they get to prison the one that is, obviously if they go to prison they've been convicted of sexual predatory acts on children they most often have to be put in solitary confinement because if they end up in general population their lives are always in danger even people who are inside think poorly about people that take advantage of kids and it's sad that we even have to have that as a conversation and the reason I brought this up is I want to keep top of mind for you This is happening all around you folks. Happens in our world every day. People that we don't even know. Some we do know and we would never think about them being involved in this are the ones that are implicated in it. Some of the worst people are the ones that nobody knows about. Just keep your eyes open. Do you know who Ben Domenech is? He is the the publisher of The Federalist. And he's also married to... um, uh, Megan McCain, former senator's daughter, very very conservative. Megan, not quite conservative as Ben. You see him now every once in a while. He carries a full beard, and uh, he's a contributor on Fox News. Well, he wrote a uh, an opinion piece that I just dearly love, and I wanted to share it to you as we leave the show today. Today's elites, he said, want to compel you into silence about all the wrongs you see, gaslight you into believing things that are not true, make you out to be a hateful, ignorant bigot for believing things that are. The central question before you today is, what are you willing to do about it? Citing John Ford's classic Western fable, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, Dominic emphasized the importance of law and order while celebrating the tough men required to enforce it, We have borders, he said, because they're guarded by rough men prepared to do what it takes to protect the lines that delineate a nation. It is meaningless to say that we have laws in our cities if we defund those Americans who are brave enough to enforce them. This may be repugnant to our nation's elite, but it is essential to a civilized society. When Fox News Peter Ducey recently asked White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki if the Biden administration is concerned that illegal migrants crossing the border aren't being tested for COVID, Psaki avoided the question. Here's what she said. Federal officials at the border are dealing with a historic surge of illegal immigration. They have neither the time or the resources to test the thousands of migrants they apprehend on a daily basis. Testing is being done. By nonprofits, if it's being done at all, even though many of these migrants are coming from countries where COVID is rampant and vaccines almost non existent. To make matters worse, such charities have been ordered not to report COVID positives, according to reporting from Fox News' Bill Megalin. That means illegals carrying a virus that represents a supposedly existential threat are being released into small American towns all along the border, often without the knowledge of local authorities. Make no mistake, the Biden administration is now treating foreign lawbreakers better than the American people. Millions of lawbreaking foreigners are now walking over the border being given taxpayer-funded bus tickets, medical care, and schooling, while American kids are being denied these things as Democrats cement more lockdowns. Does it bother you, Dominic asked, that terrorist cartels are more competent at running the border than our own government? That babies and children are being drowned in the Rio Grande and trafficked into sex slavery because the civilized party is back in charge? Last month, 200,000-plus migrants were apprehended at the border. The last time we apprehended that many people crossing the border was more than 20 years ago, he noted. Meanwhile, The number of unaccompanied children crossing the border is surging. If you raise any of this as an issue, if you question it, if you suggest this looks like chaos, chaos being exploited by violent criminals who seek to profit even as they harm America, you'll be denounced as a heartless, racist, or even worse, Dominic reflected. You were supposed to be comfortable with the government the elites gave you, which will use emergency powers to keep you masked up, locked down, prevent you from buying seeds, but will do nothing to stop the cartel benefiting anarchy at the border. In the 1860s, the elites feared and despised the wide awakes, who were a militaristic fraternity dedicated to human liberty. According to Dominique, today's elites similarly fear and hate the wide awake Americans of the 2020s. Make no mistake. The progressive left today is the inheritor and continuance of the slave power of yesterday. It's the same aristocratic creed, the same enmity to the Declaration of Independence, the same fixation on the hierarchy of race and caste, and the same dread of Americans who rebel against them, the same horror at the possibility that an ordinary working man, regardless of his race, might wake up to the truth. That's why they do their damnedest to keep wide awake Americans suppressed, demonized, locked down, and for the rest, to keep them asleep and in the dark. You know the playbook by now, Dominic warned. Americans who reject the woke and slow, they are wide awake, or denounced by nattering elites and their media handmaidens as extremists, as dangerous, and this is rich as white supremacist. It's a lie. No one believes it, not even them. Free speech, free soil, free men. It was the wide-awake battle cry in 1860. It's the same today. Because you see, the stakes don't change and neither does the enemy. Only the circumstances do. On one side, you have the enemies of everything this nation has ever been and met. And on the other, you have the patriots, the Americans, the men and women, who will do anything to preserve it because they know what civilization requires. You are the heart of a nation that has slept for so long, but now, at last, you are wide awake. So now, Dominic says, I ask you again, what are you willing to do? How far are you willing to go, folks? What's it worth to you? How much are you willing to invest of your time, your heart, your efforts, your enemies to get us back to a point where this is still the United States of America, the home of the brave. Lady Liberty stands and represents a nation where we invite everybody to come and join us. Nobody's too good. Nobody's too bad. Don't forget Kelly Nelson with us tomorrow morning at 9.30. See you then, folks. Are you optimistic with the way that things are
0: going? No one ever, ever think of it at all. Don't you ever worry when you see what's going down? Where well, time? Try-